I think that it's important for us to learn how can we enjoy the process of going wherever it is we're trying to go because that's where life actually happens is in the journey. And if we kill ourselves and hate the entire process to get there, achieving something is not going to make us love everything again. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused, rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. Hi, friends. I am so excited to be joined by my dear friend, Kaya, today. I know that when I was on her podcast, she said that she forced me to be her friend, but actually the opposite is true because last fall, I think I reached out to her dozens of times asking just little advice here and there on things that I was working on. And she so generously like shared her heart with me, which just goes to so when you super admire someone and you just treat them like a friend, they eventually have no choice but to be your friend. (laughs) I love that. That is the best piece of advice ever. (laughs) Be an Instagram stalker, force people to be your friends. Mic drop. I mean, you you just summed it up right there. No, but that's so – like, I have been admiring you and following you for so long, and I was such a huge, like I said, fan of what you were doing, and then we just – had conversations like we were two regular people, which we are. And then lo and behold, now like we talk every week and, you know, hold each other through all of the ups and downs of what it means to be an entrepreneur in this space, which is a lot of what we're talking about today. Yes. Gosh. And I'm so grateful for it. You know, there have been so many really rich, beautiful friendships that I have made because of an Instagram message um, that kind of sparked it all. And Listen, I'm I'm also happy to report that Emily and I have actually met in person. So that just really solidifies it. But um, <laughs> I'm just so grateful for you and to be able to do this entrepreneurial life journey alongside you. Uh, you're the best. Okay. So if someone is meeting you for the first time by listening to this podcast, I would love if you could tell them a little bit more of who you are, where you're from, all of the things, how you got to today. Bring us up to speed. All right. Well, my name is Kaya better known as Coach Kaya. And I like to say that I am a California cattle rancher, accidentally turned life coach and motivational speaker. I say accidentally because I didn't set out for this to be my career like so many of our paths go. It was very unexpected, lots of twists and turns. Um, But I really, I grew up in rural America, an hour from the nearest grocery store, gas station. I know a lot of your listeners can totally relate to that. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in production agriculture. And when I went, I I thought that my career was going to go a different route. I thought I was going to go to med school, LOL, took a chemistry (laughs) class in college, changed paths real fast. And my career kind of took the direction of agriculture community communications because I love agriculture, but even more than agriculture, I just love people. And so being able to bridge those two together felt like a really good fit for me. I started my career. My first big kid job out of college was working for the Kentucky Beef Council as the director of consumer affairs, 
which was wonderful, but I'm from California and I was very homesick. And I knew that I wanted to eventually have a career and a job that gave me the flexibility, the time flexibility to be able to be home with my family in California when I wanted to and be able to make as much money as I wanted to. And that's kind of what spurred my entrepreneurial journey. I started, my first business was called Burley and Barley, which was a nod to the barley and cattle ranch I grew up in and the burley tobacco and grain farm that my now husband grew up on in Western Kentucky. And uh, I did freelance graphic design and watercolor illustration for a lot of farms and ranches. And I ended up taking that full time when I convinced my Kentucky husband by some miracle to move to California with me, which is quite the feat. My Southern people, I'm sure you understand, getting someone (laughs) to move from the South to California, tough battle. But I convinced him in 2019 and we moved out here and I went full-time in my business. And at the same time, I was on this this health journey of mine and I was just sharing it on social media with friends and family. And long story short, I ended up losing over 100 pounds in one year. And I was so, so grateful for some amazing media exposure thanks to the team at Beef It's What's for Dinner that shared my health transformation story with the media. I was in People Magazine, Summer of 2020, Good Morning America, Access Hollywood, Women's Health. It kind of snowballed and really helped me decide at that point in time, do I want to continue doing freelance graphic design, which I'll admit was not really lighting up my heart the same way that it used to, or do I want to pivot and move into this space of thought leadership and coaching? And thanks to that media exposure, it really gave me this confidence and this community foundation to make that leap. So I have been coaching and full-time speaking since I guess it was the late summer of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. Um, Since then, I've also been on the Kelly Clarkson show and I got to meet Rachel Hollis that day. And that's kind of what really pivoted me towards speaking, which is where my heart and soul really is these days. I got to speak at the Rise Conference summer, or sorry, the fall of 2021, which was just so incredible. And now I am a life coach, a motivational speaker, an MC, a professional hype woman, and a podcaster, just like my sweet friend, Emily. So many fun things in common. And gosh, just watching your journey throughout all of that, I think has been one of the most inspiring pieces. And something that we talk about on this podcast pretty often is you know, that ability to pivot, to pursue your passions as they come, to build on things and be okay with things not turning out exactly as you expected. So I love the way that you really show that arc of what your career and life has looked like along the way. Thank you. You know, it's so interesting thinking how vastly different my reality today looks like than what I would have imagined five years ago. And it makes me so excited and curious to see what on earth is life going to look like five years from now? Because so Mm -hmm. much has changed and undoubtedly more is going to change too. But I'm looking forward to that journey. Oh, absolutely. Five years ago, I thought I was going to be a fourth grade teacher for literally the rest of my life. LOL. (laughs) I've been through two careers since and even what I'm doing now is so ever evolving. So gosh, I feel that. So I know that Throughout your entrepreneurial journey, um, one thing that you and I have circled back to many times in just our side conversations is defining enoughness or feeling like Mm. we're doing enough or doing enough in a given day. Um, Just kind of that overarching theme of, am I enough? Mm -hmm. Um, And that for me manifests in a lot of different ways. But I would love if you could share more about Gosh, I don't want to say your struggles with that, but just kind of have struggles. <laughs> how that has shown up in your life. And I would be interested. Do you feel like 
that was a part of who you were before being an entrepreneur or has that been a more recent revelation? Oh my gosh, such a great question. You know, when I think back to a lot of the pain points I would say in my life in general have kind of come back to that underlying feeling or or fear or broken soundtrack of me being not enough. In fact, that was, I think, a big thing that held me back in a lot of ways with my health journey. You know, I I feel like people recognize my health story as being this physical transformation journey. And while yes, losing 100 pounds is a drastic physical change, I truly believe that that transformation was more than anything a result of a mental and emotional transformation that happened inside of me first. And so much of that journey was really learning to recognize that I was enough. I was enough. I realized that I had a really, really rocky relationship with myself. And I've always been like an outgoing people person. And as I started opening up about the struggles that I dealt with, people were so surprised. They're like, what do you mean, Kaya, that you talk so negatively to yourself? Like we always assumed you were so happy and so positive and so kind and loving, but people didn't exist in my brain. They didn't hear the conversation that I would have with myself when I looked in the mirror. And I would say terrible things to myself that I would never dream of saying to someone else. And a lot of my shame was really centered around my body and my body image growing up. It became this cycle of have a body hate my body, try to go on a restrictive diet to quote unquote fix the problem, do so imperfectly, be ashamed that I failed another diet, console myself with food, and then continue to have a body that I felt shamed of. And it just became this like vicious circle. And I always thought that the thing that was wrong that was missing was I just hadn't found the right diet. I was like, well, maybe if I just find the right diet and I lose the weight, then everything's going to be different. And what I realized was the thing that was broken wasn't the action. It wasn't the diet. It wasn't the thing I was doing wrong. It was the thoughts I was thinking about myself in the beginning. And so much of the the catalyst for me beginning my health transformation, and, and, and when I say health, I don't just mean physical. I mean mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, all the things. They're all connected. Was learning how to say, what if I could practice believing that I'm actually enough right now in this body as it is without changing a single thing. And learning that is really what sparked the rest of that health journey for me. But it's so interesting. you know. I found, and I'm curious if you can relate to this, Emily, so much of my life thus far has been relearning the same lessons in different contexts. Mm. I learned that lesson in my health journey. And then entrepreneurship, has that been teaching me that same lesson all over again? repeatedly. (laughs) Yeah. Over and over and over again. And I love that you said that because that's something I've been uncovering even just within the last week or so. Um, I was in a mastermind that I'm a part of and really expressing this not enoughness that I've been getting trapped in, even with so many good things happening this summer. And, you know, just feeling if I'm not doing enough, I'm not enough. Like I need validation in order to feel like enough. And someone in my mastermind, you know, trying to reflect that back to me, it was like, well, how much evidence do you have that supports that? And it was like a light bulb moment for me. And it was like, well, actually a childhood, you know, with a bunch of factors happening that showed me and taught me time and time again, that I am not enough. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even realize that I was still struggling with that through connections to other things. Because like you, when I was walking through my health journey and looking at that holistic approach of, um, you know, mind, body, spirit, mindset, like retelling the stories to myself, like I had really tackled that then. I 
hadn't even considered how much those soundtracks, as John Acuff says, um, were still deeply rooted in who I was through the stories that I had been told as a child. Yeah, man. And nothing brings out your inner child like entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that's been true. I mean, I think a lot of us, I think every person ever is is just walking through how to heal their inner child. We all have stuff. Even if you had a wonderful, beautiful childhood, which I definitely did, we all have our own stuff that we're working through that that comes to a head in adulthood that we don't really think about until we pause and reflect, why am I feeling this way? Oh, this all ties back to mm-hmm. my childhood. And yeah, I have come across that feeling of not enoughness a lot in entrepreneurship. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like it comes in waves or seasons of like, I can feel really good, super confident, on fire, super aligned. And then when I fall out of alignment, that's when that feeling of not enoughness really rears its ugly head. And I know that you and I, we both love the Enneagram and we're both Enneagram threes. And I just have found the Enneagram to be such a helpful tool for me to be more compassionate towards that part of me. Because as an achiever, as an Enneagram three, I will notice that I'll learn these like really awesome mental health mindset tools. And then when I notice myself falling into these broken soundtracks. Now, all of a sudden, I recognize they're broken soundtracks, but now there's this other soundtrack of, you shouldn't be thinking that because you know better. And then it's like, (laughs) I add shame on top of shame. And I'm like, okay, this is not helpful. But (sighs) recognizing and understanding how my brain works as an Enneagram 3 helps me be so much more compassionate and recognize when I'm doing that to myself because I do that all the time. I'm laughing because I feel like you're in my brain um, because yeah. the more, um, you know, personal development I've done or the more I've helped coach other women through, um, you know, their own soundtracks, the more I'm like, I should know better. So it like reinstates the shame spiral that I feel like I should be out of. And then I have to take a step back and have compassion for, no, but I'm still a person yeah, and I can still, still feel feelings and I can't always coach myself. Sometimes I need people outside of me to help yes. kind of clear that fog when those stories get so loud to like help sort through all of that and, you know, bring some relief of, okay, like what is truth? What is reality? What am I grounded in? What is enough? And how do I define that? Yes. Gosh, so true. You know, I think I truly believe that all coaches need coaches all therapists need therapists. And I think that one of the broken soundtracks that I had was, I'm a coach. I should know how to do all of this for others and for myself. And that's not true. We have to leave space for our humanness. And I think for me, I think that it was this fear, this imposter syndrome. If I don't get this right all the time, then that makes me a bad coach. And what I know now to be true, the fact that I don't get it right all the time is actually exactly why my clients say they want to work with me. Guess what? People don't want to work with someone who assumes they know everything all the time, okay? That's just annoying and unrealistic and like no one wants to work with that person. People want to work with someone who's like, hey, how you're feeling? Yeah, I've been there too. Last week actually. And this is how we're going to work through it together. (laughs) I just just can't help but laugh because yeah, same. All of that. And I think it's interesting what you said of how it comes in waves, because I even think about this outside of entrepreneurship of like defining enoughness in motherhood or in marriage, or am I doing enough for the farm or am I doing enough in my career? Like, I think the more conversations I have with women, 
maybe beyond our age, but especially kind of in similar seasons that we're in is that that does come and go. Sometimes we're feeling like, all right, things are panning out the way I thought they would. Like I've worked through all of this. Like life is, you know, life is good. And then all of a sudden it's like, for a reason that I can't explain, we're just like knocked down with, uh, with those feelings of oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not being enough. And I think for me, I find that that gets extra loud when I get trapped in the comparison game. Oh, 1000%, 1000%. I feel like I can very distinctly draw a correlation between my social media consumption and my feeling of not enoughness. And listen, I don't think social media is bad. Obviously, I don't think so. It's been a huge piece of my business and the way I foster my community. I think it's an amazing tool. And I think tools are as good as how you choose to use them. And when I'm not being mindful of how I'm using social media and I just get caught up in using it as really a source to numb away from other mm-hmm. things, you know, mm-hmm. like I used to, I used to, I shouldn't say I used to, I still. Food is still one of the things that I go to to numb or to like self-soothe. I have to be very mindful of that. But guess what? My little magic box, as my grandpa likes to call it, my smartphone, that is also a place that I go to self-soothe. It's a place I go to procrastinate. When I'm getting frustrated by other things, I just mindlessly open the Instagram app and it can be a beautiful source of inspiration and connection. However, it can also be a place where I'm like, oh my God, their reels are so much better than mine. I haven't posted in three whole days. Wow, their business is blown up. I should be farther by now. And I start hearing all of these voices that just feed into that feeling of not enoughness if I'm not really being aware of what I'm consuming and how I'm consuming it and the stories that I begin to tell myself. I want to come back to that. But one other thing that you said in that little bit that I made a connection for is how interesting it is that those things that we turn to to numb out, whether it be alcohol or food or social media or whatnot, how in the moment it feels like such an escape. But in reality, it's like keeping us further trapped and helping us sink further into you know those places that keep us stuck. Yeah. And I think it's also like understanding why we do it. Like our brain wants to seek comfort and instant gratification. And there's actually research that shows that scrolling, the reason, okay, the people that designed smartphones and designed social media understand our brain psychology. They understand how it's wired. And so every time you get a like, a heart, a comment, it is actually releasing feel-good chemicals in your brain. Just like when you eat a cookie, that like high concentration of fats and sugars is releasing feel-good chemicals in your brain. Your brain says, ooh, that was fun. I like that. Next time you're in a bad mood, eat another cookie. Hey, next time you're in a bad mood, refresh your social media because it feels good to get those reactions. And so I think too, like being compassionate towards why we do some of these things, understanding why we do them, but also with the awareness of this is actually a way that I'm self-sabotaging myself at the same time can also help be freeing. So like, I guess what I'm saying is don't fall into that place of beating yourself up for doing the thing because I know you and I do that sometimes. (laughs) So understand, okay, I'm doing these things and it's normal because my brain wants instant gratification. Mm -hmm. However, I recognize that consuming or or doing this action is not serving me and my long-term goals. So how do I, what do I want to do instead. Right. And, um, you know, it is at some point like a dopamine hit. So yes, exactly. if I'm craving that level of, you know, instant gratification right now, what can I do that, um, allows me to get that and then move on. So yeah, you know, going outside for a walk, getting some sunshine, like actually sitting down and having a meaningful conversation with a Mm -hmm. friend, 
Mm-hmm. Or like you said, even just recognizing like the short-term gain versus the the long game. Like what am I actually supposed to be working on that I'm, you know, avoiding right now? I think all of that can be so powerful in the moment. Totally. Picture this. You, me, and a small group of women who truly get you walking on the beach. Sure, we're laughing and having a grand old time, but it's more than that. We're not just chatting about the weather. We get real. We uncover all that mental gunk that's keeping you stuck. You share the dreams you haven't even said out loud to your family. Together, we make a plan for you to put those dreams into action. Long after we clean the sand out of our suitcases, we hold each other in accountability, love, and genuine support. If you can believe it, we actually want to see each other win. Yep, this November, I'm hosting my first ever Ascend Mastermind Retreat. This isn't your average girls weekend. This is a transformative experience with rural doers and dreamers with hearts and goals as big as you. Are you ready? Magic happens when you put yourself into rooms like these. Lives are changed forever within these walls and you are invited. Check out emilyrushell.com slash retreats to learn more and get your name on the wait list. Your people are waiting and your dreams are worth it. Okay, so when you do find yourself in this comparison game, whether through social media, through the stories you're telling yourselves, through interactions you're having with other people, what are some of those things that help you ground yourself in your intentions and what you're doing? Mm, Such a good question. This is the thing. I feel like it's important for me to remember, number one, that our world is so abundant. I think one of the things that comparison tricks us into believing is that there isn't enough room for all of us to be successful or to be creative or to whatever that looks like, you know? And I think something for me that helps though is to put my blinders back on to recognize, okay, I'm falling, I'm falling into this comparison spiral. So how can I focus on where my own feet are? One of the things that I tell people in my community all the time, one of my mantras, I literally have it printed on a necklace that I wear is my race, my pace. It's so easy to get distracted by what she's doing or how many followers she has or how big their business is or whatever, whatever that comparison story looks like. But the truth is, is that they're on a totally different path than you. They have a totally different life than you. And if we could bring our gaze down to where our own feet are planted and ask, what is the next baby step forward for me and put our blinders on, I think it's so helpful. What I have found is that action always makes me feel better. Action always makes me feel better. So For me, for example, if it's social media, I notice myself getting caught up in the comparison spiral with social media. I recognize that happens when I am consuming more than I'm actually creating. I love being a creator. I love being able to empower and encourage other people. And something that will make me feel better when I'm caught in comparison is to ask myself, what can I create today? What can I offer today? And taking action in some way definitely helps me. But I think the other thing, journaling is a tool that I use almost every single day. And I believe that it is so stinking powerful because I think that journaling is a place for us to take the soundtracks that are going on in our brain and put them on paper so we can actually see them. We can separate ourselves from our thoughts to be able to ask ourselves what is true. And when you have these broken soundtracks, if you write them down and read them, you're like, okay, well, that's actually not true. That's actually just a thought. And we can create new soundtracks for ourselves and remind ourselves what is true. And I think something that Enneagram threes and achievers like us, Emily, 
We're so freaking good at generally speaking, we're really good at dreaming. Okay. A lot of us have like big lofty goals and we are so good at looking at the gap between where we are and where we're going, which is great because that's what helps us achieve really awesome things. However, when we're always looking at the gap, we never feel like we've done enough because there's always a gap. And I think a really helpful journaling practice for me is taking some time to sit down and write about the gap between where I'm at and where I came from. Because, oh my gosh, there's so much goodness there that I completely ignore because I'm so focused on the gap ahead of me instead. It's interesting you say that because I just started the book, uh, The Gap and the Gain, yesterday. I'm like 30 pages in. And that is like the, the thesis of it is, especially you know as achievers, but I think this is true for a lot of people, when we are constantly comparing ourselves to where we want to be that target is always moving. It doesn't matter where we are because if we are not present here, we want to be there. And even if we were at a there that we once dreamed of, we cannot even appreciate it because we're on to the next thing. There's already a bigger goal. Yeah. And I've even found myself trapped in that in the last year. Like I have done so many of the things that a year ago felt impossible. And even in the moment when they're happening, I'm like, okay, but what's next? Or I suck because I haven't done this yet. Or I haven't look at what they're doing. And I, I haven't got to that place yet. And it's like, holy cannoli, Emily, like take a chill pill. And that's what the whole book is about is like living in the gain. Where did you start? What have you done? And truly being present with and celebrating that Because if you're constantly vying for that someday or that there or that destination, it's always moving and you're never, ever, ever, ever going to feel satisfied with it because it's just a continuous, a continuous cycle. Yes. This makes me think of, um, what I used to call it was the lie of once. And there actually is a word for it in psychology. I call it the lie of once because I think a lot of us have this belief that once I make a certain amount of money then I'll finally be happy. Once I lose a certain amount of weight or can wear a certain size, then I'll finally feel beautiful and confident in my skin. Once I finally find the partner, then I'll finally learn to love myself. Once I live in that house, go to that place, whatever it is, we all have a lie of once, okay? I think everybody has this belief that once this happens, once I achieve this level, then everything's gonna be better. And in psychology, the term they use for this is called the arrival fallacy. And they actually did a study on people that were in the movie business, like movie stars and Olympians. And they did a study on their mental health after they achieved the highest level of achievement in their fields. So after movie stars get the highest award of achievement for their career, and once Olympics Olympians get the gold medal, right? Like that's everything that they work for in their entire career. Studies actually show that they are the most unhappy right after achieving those goals. Because we have this idea of once I reach the pinnacle of the mountain, then everything's going to be amazing. And what happens is we reach that level and we are like, oh, so that's it. This, this is, this is it. I thought it would feel differently. But the truth is, is that achieving anything, achieving a goal, reaching the top of a mountain is a moment in time. It is a moment in time. And the most important part of this whole process isn't achieving the goal. It's the journey in between. And just like you said earlier, Emily, once you reach the top of the mountain, guess what? You already have 3,000 other mountains to climb because you've already set bigger goals for yourself. And the truth is, is that no matter what you achieve, no matter where you go, how much money is in your bank account, where you live, you take your brain with you. And I think that it's important for us to learn how can we enjoy the process 
of going wherever it is we're trying to go because that's where life actually happens is in the journey. And if we kill ourselves and hate the entire process to get there, achieving something is not going to make us love everything again. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to someone about you know really enjoying and embracing that journey? I know you know one of your major taglines, things you talk about all the time is finding joy in the journey. So what advice do you have to offer of um, you know how we can fully embrace that in our in our life right now? Yeah. So this is the thing. Life is hard and beautiful and messy and challenging and incredible and all of the things, okay? When I tell people that I believe in finding joy in the journey, I'm not saying it with this belief that like everything is going to be sunshine and roses and rainbows all the freaking time. That would be awesome, but that's just not realistic. That said, I do believe that there can be joy that is found in the process. Now, as you're trying to reach for new levels, whether you're okay, maybe you're trying, maybe you're on your own health journey, okay, and you're trying to really take care of your health. Maybe you're, you're starting a business like Emily and I have. There are going to be parts of that process that are uncomfortable, right? One of the things that Emily always talks about is growth. And the truth is, is that growth is uncomfortable. It's choosing discomfort over the comfort of where you're at. That said, I believe that the best way for us to make big, long lasting transformations in our life is to be able to enjoy the process. Because if you hate the process, like how many times have y'all done a diet that you absolutely hated and you were counting down the days until it was over? I bet that diet didn't work for you, right? Didn't last long-term. But instead, how can we find joy in nourishing ourselves better? Well, I think a lot of that, first of all, comes down to our mindset because let's be honest, joy, happiness, contentment, those are feelings and feelings are born of thought, not circumstance. And we get that wrong so often. So I think a big part of finding joy is really being mindful of your perspective and your mindset as you're pursuing something. For example, I went for a run this morning, which I haven't been running a whole lot lately. Okay. I didn't run 17,000 miles for the St. Jude run like you did, Emily, but I'm getting back (laughs) into this running thing and running has been such a great journey for me to recognize the way that my mindset impacts my physical life around me. If I go for a run and my thoughts are, wow, this is terrible. I hate this. I'm so uncomfortable. Guess what? It makes that run a million times worse. But if I say, I can do hard things. I'm going to push myself a little bit more. I'm so proud of myself for doing this today. I'm going to just try to go a little bit further today. If I change my mindset and perspective doing the exact same thing, that is going to make that process so much more enjoyable. And I also believe that there are ways to achieve your goals that include things that are enjoyable. You don't have to do things you hate, especially when it comes to your health journey. For example, if you hate running, guess what? You can get healthy without running. Do you love dancing? I do. That's how I started my health journey was with free YouTube dance parties in my living room because I decided if I'm going to make healthy changes for my life, I want to wake up excited about it. So choose something that excites you as part of that journey. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I have so many things that we can follow up with that with. But the one thing that I want to connect it back to is this makes me even think about motherhood and how often I catch myself saying, um, you know, as babies, like once they can do this, everything will be easier. Once they do this, everything will be easier. Once they're in school, things will be easier. Once, And so, you know, there is some truth to looking forward to the things that are to come. Like, gosh, motherhood sure. is so messy and beautiful. And there are so many things in each season to look forward to. But I found myself wishing away so many parts of it because I thought that 
everything was going to be magically better. When in reality, every stage comes with beautiful, incredible parts and also new things to figure out, new things for me to work through, new things for me to help them grow through and parts that are just plain hard. And I think that that's a beautiful analogy whether in career or like you said, in a health journey or anything, is that there are going to be parts of every stage full of goodness. And there are going to be parts of every stage full of things that are just plain hard. Totally. So reframing our mindset in the moment to really find joy and embrace where we're at, like you said, where your feet are every day. I think that can be a game changer because the reality is like we live this life forever and we want to make the best of every part of it. If you've been hanging out with me online for a few years, then I know you've heard about my personalized habit challenge, UDU82. Through this challenge, women like you intentionally choose habits to build or break for 82 days through the mindset of progress over perfection. At its core, UDU82 is an experience and community to help you show up for the life of your dreams. To learn more, tap the link in the show notes listed below. There's like some phrase people say new levels, new devils. And that is so true. You know, it's so interesting. When I was uh, working my nine to five, I was, you know, I'm so excited to be able to make my own schedule and to be able to decide how much money I'm going to make. And, you know, that's, it's going to be so awesome. Once that happens, everything's going to be better. And now as an entrepreneur, it's great, but I'm also like, man, I kind of wish I just had a steady paycheck twice a month that I didn't (laughs) have to worry about. Right. So like working for someone else is hard and great. Working for yourself is hard and great. And the truth is, is that every aspect of life is going to be both messy and beautiful. And yeah, I think mindset is the number one thing that we have control over no matter what path we choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That notion of, wow, my schedule is so free. I can do whatever I want, but also I'm the one holding myself accountable. And that comes with a whole new level of personal growth and mindset work. Amen. Okay. So one thing that I've recognized um, as an achiever is, and maybe even there's other parts of this that have nothing to do with the Enneagram and just my own stuff in my brain, is the way that I crave or find value in other people recognizing the things that I'm doing as worthy. Mm -hmm. Is that something that that you deal with as well? Mm, Deeply, deeply. And it's... uh... Yeah, you know, it's so interesting because I feel like I feel like the older I get, the more I learn, the more I recognize that the things that are your superpower are also the things that are one of your biggest weaknesses. And I know that to be true for me thus far when it comes to my ability to walk into a room, read the room, and know who I need to be in that room in order to be seen as most successful. And that's awesome. That's great because it's been really helpful for me as a coach and as a speaker and as an MC. Like it's one of my superpowers. I tend to be very good with people. However, on the flip side of that, it's so easy for me to lose myself, to remember who am I separate from what other people think of me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this whole entire last year, full transparency, I feel like I've been in a funk. Like I feel like I've had a quarter life crisis. Like I I say quarter life. I don't think I'm going to live quite four times as old as I am right now. <laughs> but um, I feel like it's been this journey for me this last year to rediscover who I am separate from achievement. And a question I've been trying to ask myself is, if nobody knew about my achievements, if nobody knew what I was working on, as in, if I wasn't going to be publicly praised for any of this, what would I choose to do? 
how would I choose to show up? And asking myself that question has been really helpful for me to shine a light on my motivations behind why I'm showing up. I would like to say that I am a recovering people pleaser. And I know that so much of my life I have done things because I knew that by doing them, it would make other people happy or proud or think that it's a great thing. However, that's also mean that meant that I've sacrificed maybe what my own intuition tells me or my own personal desires and passions because I've been so focused on other people's perceptions of me. So being able to really get clear on if nobody else knew that I was doing this, what would I choose to do for myself? Who am I separate from other people's opinions of me? And it is a ongoing journey. I'm still asking myself that question on a daily basis, but I'm really in this season right now of trying to practice saying no more to create more space for me to, to discover what my own yeses are. And it's uncomfortable, but I think that also means I'm growing. So it definitely means you're growing. <laughs> so when you ask yourself that question today, what are some of the things, like how would you show up outside of what anyone else's expectations are? And opposed, as opposed to that, like what would your instinct be if you knew people were going to know or praise you for it? Like what does that difference look like for you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because as I'm thinking about this, I still, they're still so intri intricately connected for me. It's really hard for me to separate the two. But when I think about what are the things in my business that light me up the most, that feel the most easy and natural to me. And for me, this has been real, a really helpful question for me to ask because I feel like right now in my business, I'm really at this pivot point. And that means having to say no and, and step aside from some of the things that I've been doing as a coach in my business and, and how I show up for my clients. Because one of the things that my intuition and my gut tells me that I want is to speak, to be on stages. And, and I think it's hard for me to separate that because by being a speaker and being on stage, I'm literally performing for other people, <laughs> which means you know it matters what other people think of me because they have to like me to hire me. However, I think it's about storytelling. And I think for me too, I think one of the things that I've lost a little bit in myself and my business is a little piece of my humor if this makes any sense, I'm still like kind of navigating this, but um, I was at the Rural Rooted Retreat, um, not the same time you were there, but I was there and hanging out with some of the coaches in the evening. And they were, it was the first time I had got to really hang out just casually with a handful of those girls. And they said, Kaya, you're really funny. Like, I feel like you are suppressing part of yourself through your social media. And I do feel like I let some of my humor come out, but I love making people laugh. And one of the things that's always been on my bucket list, like my secret bucket list is to host SNL one day. <laughs> no, you know, just a casual lofty goal. Um, and I'm like, you're right. Like I love making people laugh and I want to really lean into that humor more when it comes to my speaking and, and the way that I show up in that space. And the second thing is um, I really want to travel the world. Um, and I've always been a world traveler, but now that I'm in this season between marriage and children, we don't have any kids yet. And I want that journey. I just don't want it yet because I am craving adventure so desperately. And I feel like there's all these voices in my head about what will people think if you guys just pack everything up and go on the road and live abroad? Will they judge you for not being settled down for, you know, I have all these voices of what other people will think. But when I get quiet and ask myself what I want, mm. like I know that money is abundant and Time is not. And right now, that time to have those experiences of traveling the world is the most important to me, regardless of what anybody else thinks. Mm. When you said money is abundant, but time is not, I just got goosebumps. 
It's powerful. It is. I've been really like leaning into that because I mean, this is like a whole podcast for another day, but (laughs) in entrepreneurship, part two, two, unpacking money mindset has been something I've been working on a lot in entrepreneurship and really believing that money is abundant. Money is just an exchange of value. And I believe that there are many ways that I can add value in this world, but I don't want to be one of those people that gets to the end of my life and has a fat bank account and a list of regrets for the things I wish I would have done with it. I don't even know how to follow that up. I, amen. Absolutely. And I think, uh, gosh, to bring it full circle, I think that comes back to setting those intentions for what kind of life do I actually want to be living? And are the things I'm doing on a daily basis in alignment with that? Or because someone else told me that's what I should be doing, or I've gotten praised for X, Y, Z, or someone else thinks I need to be whatever it may be, whether it's career or business or family or you name it. We can all fall trapped to these obligations that either people bestow upon us or we give ourselves based on what someone else is doing. So when we get quiet and we listen to what do I really want? What does my life look like? Not someday, not in the future when I get to the end goal, but what does it look like now? And how do I create that daily joy, that gratitude, that intentionality, that appreciation on a daily basis? I think that's the, that's the magic of, you know, that feeling enoughness. When we're clear on who we are, what we need to do and where we're going, and we feel, like you said, in alignment with that, I think some of those external feelings of am I enough kind of dissipate because we mm-hmm. are on the right track. Yeah. Gosh, I agree. And I think too, just, I want to offer some encouragement to anybody who's in that season of not enoughness. It's okay that you're here. It's, um, I don't want you to stay here for long, but I want you to know that it is a part of being human and being a human is a journey with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And just because you might be in that season of not enoughness doesn't mean that there isn't a beautiful place of alignment right around the corner. I actually sometimes believe that it's walking through the hard, messy parts, which is where I feel like I've been for the last year, that teach us the most about ourselves, that create a really beautiful future ahead. So I just want to give you love and and encouragement that you're not alone, um, that being a a human is messy and beautiful, and um, that you're going to make it to the other side. And your dreams for yourself are so beautiful and worth chasing. And um, I believe in you. Yeah. And I think so often those those seasons where we question and um, we kind of redefine, like that's how we get closer to who we're meant to be. Mm, totally. If we didn't walk through those hard times that make us take a look at our priorities, then we would just operate on autopilot, ho-humming through everything. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm so grateful for the the hard roads I've walked through. I didn't love them, but they've always taught me so much. So If you're in a hard season, just know that there is so much growth happening here too. So much goodness. All right. Before we wrap up, I have two questions for you. First up, what does personal growth mean to you? Ooh, I love this. Personal growth to me means having a lifelong learning mentality um, about myself. And that is so multifaceted. I think something that I've, I've learned to embrace over the last few years is to have 
compassionate curiosity always for myself and others. I think the day that I decide that I know myself completely inside and out is the day that I stop learning because I feel like I've changed so much and I feel like I'm going to continue to change because our experiences teach us and we take those lessons into our future. And so I think for me, personal growth is compassionate curiosity. Mm, Love that. All right. Second of all, tell us what you have going on. How can people find you? Of course, after this conversation, they know that they want to be um, in your circle. So how can they get in touch with you and what do you have coming up for them? Yes. I would love, love, love to connect with you all. Um, Well, as I'm recording this, I'm getting ready to wrap up my first ever retreat. So I'm not making any promises, but hopefully maybe in the future you can join me at another one. (laughs) Um, Nothing is on the books yet, but the best way to keep in touch with me is to get on my email list, which maybe Emily can link in the show notes below. I also have a podcast. Clearly you're here. So you like podcasts. Um, You can check out my podcast. It is called Climbing with Coach Kaya. There is a new episode every Wednesday. That's also where you can keep in touch with things that are happening. In terms of other things I've got coming up in my world, you know, I mentioned I'm at this pivot point. So nothing that I'm ready to announce quite, quite yet, but I'm excited for what's in store and I'd love to connect with you on social as well. I'm coach underscore Kaya on Instagram and TikTok and I'm coach Kaya on Facebook. So I'd love to see your beautiful face over that way. Love it. Thank you so much for being here today, Kaya. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Love you so much. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing Gathering Growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.